Mike Teasdale has created a digital advertising agency in the UK called Harvest Digital. Mike started a few decades ago, sometime during what I call the prehistory of digital media. To give you an idea, Google didn't exist yet. Let's go straight to our interview. Can you tell me how you started your career and when? I did an English degree. I did a BA and an MA, and I just, you know, you just read a lot of books. And I thought I'd really like to read small books. So my first job properly was in publishing as a, a kind of, they call it a line editor, but basically it's like a, it's like a glorified proofreader. Publishing is a pretty awful career, I think. And I told my own son this quite recently when he was talking about it. It's just really badly paid to the point where you almost need an independent income to be able to, to, be able to do it. And it's not quite as glamorous as people think. The bit I liked was the writing. There's quite a lot of writing about writing captions, writing book jackets, writing publicity, I suppose, around books. So when that job ended, I decided to go into like a copywriting job. So I, I got a job in a marketing department writing kind of brochures or exhibitions. I stayed there for about 18 months. From there, I got a job in an agency to work for the uh, Citroen account. That was the big account there. The irony was that I couldn't drive and I was writing about cars and driving. So they, uh, which is, I guess is sort of, you know, generally speaking, a truth about advertising is you're kind of not necessarily, not necessarily true. Yeah, so I, just, I worked there for probably two years. I got promoted quite quickly and I started to think that I was being promoted beyond the level that I really felt comfortable with. So I took a bit of a break. I, I got a job with uh, an agency called, it was then called uh, WAV, and then it became WAV Rap Collins, and now it's called Rap. It's, it was probably the biggest direct marketing agency, uh, which is like a branch of advertising. I think it's probably the biggest in the UK then, and it probably still is. What is direct marketing? The definitely people used then was above the line and below the line. Above the line is awareness, is uh, TV, is uh, big press ads. It's things that are meant to change the way that you think about things, it, you know, introduce new brands to you, all that stuff. Below the line essentially is trying to get you to do something. Most internet advertising is you'd say, is direct marketing. It's, it's all aimed to get you to do something, to buy a shirt, to book a holiday, to, you know, to travel. It's quite unusual to have something which is kind of pure awareness. So, yeah, that's the distinction. I worked there for about four years, and then I just wanted to move on. I wanted to try lots of different things, so I went freelance for a while, worked for lots of different agencies. I went to a company called uh, Tequila, we did a deal where I worked for two days in the creative department and three days I was setting up what became Tequila Digital. So it was one of the first um, digital agencies in the UK. I worked there for three years, say, and then I got a job for an American consultancy called uh, AnswerThink, who were really big, like 2,000-person consultancies. I became a marketing consultant, genuinely did not have a clue what I was doing there. Uh, <laughs> and so, I honestly think you do learn quite a lot by getting well out of your comfort zone. I was there really until the, the dot-com crash in 2001, where the, the American company just closed down in London altogether. And that's the point at which we set up the agency where I still work, 
which is called um, Harvest Digital. When you talk about digital back in the 90s, that's when you when you started, you know, when you were doing the first, you know, digital work, what was falling under the word digital back then? Because there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no Snapchat and, and, and all these platforms. There was no Google, actually. Google, I think Google was founded around 2001, 2002, I think, but they weren't really doing anything very much for a few years. There was stuff like Yahoo, there were other, other search engines like people have forgotten, like, uh, you know, Overture. You know, the search landscape was there, but, but you know, Google very quickly became, became big simply because the search experience is much better than, uh, than anything else. But yeah, what we were doing, we were doing kind of viral games. We did some work in CD-ROM. Uh, we were building websites. It, it was kind of very, it probably honestly wasn't really working very well quite often, <laughs> but then we didn't really have the tools to, to measure it either. We, you know, we were looking, you know, in terms of data, we were looking at like um, log file analysis, of, you know, people weren't really using cookies to track people persistently between websites and all that, all that stuff. How has the, the advertising world changed over the last 30 years? What would you say were the key aspects of advertising back then and then what is this today like how what what can you not miss today in order to do a good advertising obviously the, the rise of the internet has been massive it's been very very disruptive for advertising in terms of device we've gone from being very desktop focused to being very mobile focused the techniques have changed there's a trend towards uh, very very short video content maybe 10 or 12 seconds. And if people looked at all the ads they consume over a day, I'd guess that, that they would be probably quite a large chunk of the ads that you see will be, will be that, kind of, that kind of length. So advertising often isn't really telling a story the way it used to. It's, it's it become more direct. It's more like an animated billboard, I suppose. You're trying to, you're trying to kind of create an impression, tell people about an idea, and then tell them what to do very quickly. You have a, your own agency and of course there are certain profiles that you're looking for to be part of your team. What are the jobs, descriptions and profiles that you're looking for in your team? I think the work we do is quite analytical. So we've, we've often hired people from, I mean, I mean, we also do quite a lot of like international work. So we quite like good, good language skills. Beyond that, we want people with you know, decent maths and often kind of science degrees. That's kind of where we've, we've often recruited. I'm, I'm sort of becoming a bit more like relaxed about, about that because of that, we're not really doing anything to do with physics. The concepts are not that hard. I think the key quality is, um, is curiosity. If a set of results for a client is good, I need somebody who will say why they're good. What's driving the success? Can we do more, more of that? I hate just hearing people say that the results are bad on client X. They're never all bad. They'll be bad in a certain area. And, all, and you need to go beyond that and say, okay, Facebook is bad because we've got a competitor who's targeting the same audience that we are, but their offers are more compelling than, than our offers. And when you get to that, you think, okay, so can we improve our offers? Is this just become a bad channel for us? 
you, you know, we, you can solve it. Just saying that something's bad, you can solve it. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's hopeless. So, so yeah, I need people to just dr- drill down a bit more into the data and, and I would just sort of, you know, you know, have the intellectual curiosity to say, well, okay, why, why is this good? Why is this bad? Why is this bit working? I think one thing I'd say about digital is there's, there's so many data points that are available to us that when you start thinking it from a, a, a data point, there's lots of different ways to slice, slice that up. This is very inspiring. I mean, definitely advertising has gone through so much change uh, over the years. I did study advertising myself and I, um, I mean, what I knew back then and what is today the situation and the also the the requirements in order to fulfill a job like this is completely different and that brings me to my next question if i were somebody who started advertising 30 years ago 20 years ago and wanted to reinvent himself or herself and and start and you know and do a uh, digital marketing digital advertising uh, work is there transferable are there transferable skills or is there something else that this person should do how do they apply or can they apply to today's digital advertising jobs you know i know a lot of people who've been in advertising as 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 long as i have and lots of them don't really work in digital or they've you know they've drifted into it the skills are entirely transferable that you know we're, we're creating a lot of video content there's a whole set of skills around that we're still doing a lot of writing. Uh, you know, good writing has always been quite precise, quite quite concise as well. And the ability to persuade and to work out why people do certain things. And you know, from a copywriting point of view, perhaps the, the absolute quality that you look for is is empathy, is to is to get under the skin of an audience and work out why why they'd be motivated to do things or what they're worried about or how, how you can how you can introduce a thought that they may not have had before. I'd say, like, you know, from an abstract point of view, there's absolutely no reason why people can't. The, the reason they don't is two things. First of all, there's quite a lot of ageism, I think, in, in digital. I, I'm 60, so I'm like literally the oldest person in digital. So, you know. <laughs> but, you, you, you know, I just know that we just tend to hire people who are in their 20s. And we just, and, you know, the people doing the hiring are probably also in their 20s or early 30s. And they, you know, it's not really a conscious thing. And we absolutely, you know, no digital agency will have, you won't find a policy document anywhere that says we must hire people who are really young. That's just the way it is. And there's a feeling that for a channel like TikTok or Instagram, that young people maybe have more of an understanding of it. I just don't really think that's true. The, the, the other thing, though, that uh, digital is like amazing at in a, in a bad way is just creating jargon and acronyms and not what we would say, like the, the, the idiom is calling a spade a spade, just saying this is, this is what we mean about things. So we don't talk about uh, making a sale or a, whatever the goal of the communication was. We, we would generally talk about it in terms of CPA. And, and CPA, as, a, as an acronym, people can't quite even agree what that means. They know, they know it either means cost per acquisition, in other words, cost per New customer or cost per sale, or cost per action is probably more accurate. And there's much, much worse, much, much worse than that. You know, sort of RLSA, ROAS. It's just an alphabet soup, soup of things. So, so and, and genuinely, people in the agency do talk like that the whole time. And it's and when we've hired 
grads, and we've brought new people into the agency, they've, they've told us that they just don't really understand what people say for the first two or three weeks till they've kind of got on top of what all this stuff means. And I have the impression that it's ever evolving. Like every month there's maybe a new acronym or a new word. And if you don't keep up, like for instance, I haven't used Instagram in a long time and now I am using it because of the podcast. But I talked to my niece who is 20 years younger and she says, auntie, I mean, Facebook is now old. Now everybody's on Instagram. And then the next generation says, no, it's not the TikTok. So <laughs> do you use all of these media or do you, spe you know, specifically target, let's say Instagram or Facebook or what, how do you choose your own mix? We shouldn't really be thinking about channels. We should be thinking about audiences, you know, if we want to talk to your niece, for instance, we should absolutely be using TikTok or Instagram. And the tools that we use, because we've got a sense of how old people are, what kind of things people are looking for, what their interests are, that, that would sort some of that out. The channels like TikTok, it feels slightly naive as a platform. I don't think you can buy directly off TikTok. And certainly there are channels, there have been channels where you can't click off onto something else. So there's some things which make a channel really good. Some, some questions are really simple. So Facebook and Instagram are, are both essentially the same company and they run essentially the same ads. So you can, it's very easy to set a campaign up that runs on both. Uh, and you can just tell Facebook to, that you want to make sales or you want more people to see your ad or whatever your goal is. And their algorithms are optimized between the different channels which obviously is tragic <laughs> if you're a media buyer and you thought your whole life is working out decisions like that. That's quite depressing. <laughs> if you're thinking, oh, we've replaced you with some maths. How easy is it to get an internship or, you know, to start working in an agency like yours for, you know, 20 year olds who are finishing this, their studies and would love to, to work in the advertising, um, digital advertising field? Honestly, it probably hasn't been too hard in the past, but uh, because we'd always just, I mean, we're quite small. We've probably got about two dozen people, but we'd always take a, a couple of grads on every year. With the pandemic, that's changed. But partly it changed because we started to panic and thinking, oh my God, the world's going to collapse, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then we stopped thinking that uh, and thought, no, we really still need some grads. But by then we didn't have an office anymore and we were just all working remotely. And actually the bit that we're worried about is how well we can teach and how well people will learn when we're not physically in the same in the same place we had a couple of kind of data points for people that didn't really work out who i think i think they would have worked out better if they if we'd been like in an office together if you can see somebody's screen you walk past them and you go past like an hour later and they're still doing the same thing they sh shouldn't have taken that long then you realize somebody needs some help but those insights have gone when everyone's working remotely. And of course, people can feel quite isolated. At this second, we're recruiting. Uh, there are six, six vacancies on our website. So we're, we're sort of trying to put that, put, put that right. We still don't have an office, but we sh should go back into an office next, next month. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, apart from the, you know, the horrors of the last few years, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see how it will settle down from the point of view of like the future of the work, future of work, just, just what, what we will do when we're all in the same space. Because if somebody's just going to sit and look at an Excel spreadsheet and that's what they need to do for a day, I don't think 
they need to spend an hour coming into London, another hour going, going out. You know, they need to be in the office to be doing something collaboratively with other people. Do you have a couple of hints or tips that you can give to a grad, like a recent grad who would like to start a career in advertising? What would you recommend that he or she does as first steps? What we don't often see from CVs is people being quite precise about what they, what they want to do. So, you know, I just want to work in digital marketing. It's not much use to us because you're, you're asking us to do the work for you and to look at your CV and think, well, you might be good at this, you might be good at that. You know, what are, what are, where are your interests? Where, where's your focus? So I think it's really helpful if, if people think a bit harder about it and think, okay, well, I've got, I'm, I really like maths. I really like uh, analysis. I really like data. So, uh, you know, and there are jobs around what we'd call the biddable team of managing paid search, managing Facebook, which are very, very analytical, really. Uh, and then there are other jobs which are essentially creating content and writing content and much closer to the jobs I had when I first, first started. So, you know, if people have did a little bit of research and said, right, I'm really interested in becoming a, a, you know, a content executive, for instance, or a biddable exec, that's really helpful. The, the other thing is it's quite easy to get some experience online. And again, right, you, you, you know, I'd much rather have somebody's CV where they say, okay, my, my friend has an e-commerce business and I've been helping them and I've been writing content about products. And, you know, so I've got a sense of it or I've been looking at, looking at the, the back-end data and this is the kind of things that I've noticed by looking at, their, looking at their analytics. And then there's a ton of online resource as, as well. It's not hard to find like training materials or, you know, things, things like that to get a bit deeper into the subject. I was just thinking when we talk about digital, of course, I'm thinking about being in front of a computer the whole time. Now, is there satellite positions, let's say, uh, around the world of digital marketing and digital advertising that does not necessarily require sitting at a desk in front of a computer? I mean, like, we probably don't think of it necessarily as a sort of job of digital, but it is. Like, influencers are sitting, creating video content and probably not really thinking very, very much around that. The really fascinating thing about digital over the last few years is that we, virtually every agency, uh, transitioned to not being in the office really quickly. You know, yet, yesterday I was doing, uh, I was working on a pitch. We were waiting for some, uh, some data from somebody in Poland. Then somebody in London was going to do something with that data and we're going to send it back to somebody else, actually also in uh, either in Belgium or Poland, I'm not sure. And, and I wasn't in London, wasn't at my desk, and I was just trying to coordinate, coordinate that. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's changing from that respect. I mean, I, I mean, that said, working in media sounds very glamorous. And if I, if, when we had an office, if I looked at the media team, a lot of it is actually just sitting, staring at Excel all day long. Uh, my daughter works for an, an agency in Sydney, and her job, they, it's called digital analyst. We would call it something different, but I think it's kind of, they probably called it analyst to make it feel a bit more important so they can charge more. <laughs> <laughs> What do you call it? Uh, we just call it boring. We just call it like, you know, biddable executive or something like that. So we, we haven't put a lot of, we haven't put a ton of thought, <laughs> a ton of thought into it. <laughs> Definitely a fascinating, ever-changing and evolving line of work. Very nice to meet you, Mike, and thank you for your testimonial.